A Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. Calling all Gen Xers. Have memories of getting up early to watch cartoons on Saturday mornings? If you can name all of the original MTV VJs without hesitation, you have found your podcast. Hosted by filmmaker, DJ, and lover of all things analog, Roy Turner. As we take you back to a simpler time of your biggest concern was asking Santa for an Atari for Christmas. We bring you all the spoils of being a kid in the generation of excess and a teenager heading towards a new millennium with all the music, games, movies, and events that shaped us proudly as Generation X as we celebrate growing up 80s and groomed in the 90s. Welcome to this week's edition of Growing Up 80s and Groomed in the 90s. I am your host as always, Roy Turner. Special thing we've been doing last three Novembers. This is going to be the best one to date because we are celebrating the 60th anniversary of the greatest team ever assembled. This thing ran for over 400 issues for 33 years before redoing it. One of the longest running titles of all time. My friends that have returned from comics therapy, my man Aaron Myers. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. And my man, Mark Rez, you know him as the drummer from the Toadies and a comics authority. How are you, sir? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm grateful for how serious you guys took this and really did your homework. Aaron, I wanted to start with you. What were some of the things that you looked at to prepare for this today? The Silver Age stuff from the modern series. I feel fairly comfortable talking about. And then some West Coast Avengers. It's been so long that I've looked at that stuff. It was hard to remember what happened when. When you start looking from the 60s until now, how that fits into Marvel chronology, it's fun. That era really defined all the other stories. The glue has kept the Marvel comics universe together. I feel the same way. I'm going to roll out what I revisited throughout this. Without looking, I'm going to ask, since you did your homework, who are the original five (laughs) members of the Avengers? Thor, Iron Man, Ant-Man, and the Wonderful Wasp. The, there it is. What jumped out at you whenever you were doing your research? I was pretty unfamiliar with the West Coast Avengers run. I didn't really follow him until like John Byrne came on the series. Shortly after he came on, they changed the title to Avengers West Coast. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of trade paperbacks I bought several years ago thinking, I'm eventually going to read these. and Well, I guess now's the time. <laughs> I was really into the West Coast Avengers in the 80s. <laughs> First 20 issues written by Steve Englehart. Probably my favorite run ever of Avengers in the early 70s. When the Avengers Defenders War happened, right. the first major crossover event in Marvel has- Comics. You guys remember the Inferno storyline in the early 1990s? Huh? I love that stuff because it, re- it forces you to diversify. Every decade has like their own war, especially within comic books, right? <laughs> the Infinity War, the Secret Wars, the uh, Acts of Vengeance. All that, the team changes almost instantly. Like the Hulk like quits after the second issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because they turn on him. They betray him. I think Hulk, Hulk <laughs> is right. I need a shirt that says Hulk is right. <laughs> How does Ant-Man go from Ant-Man to Giant-Man? That was in his own title in Tales to Astonish. It came out in between issue one and two. The first six issues, the Avengers was a bi-monthly title. Right. I think Giant Man had already appeared maybe a couple of times in his own series before 
in between issue one and two. Kirby, the greatest to ever do it, in my opinion. I see it right there on your shirt, Rez. I only did the first eight or nine. Mm-hmm. The first real milestone, of course, is when Captain America comes back in issue four. Do you think they didn't have a clear vision? I don't think there was much of a plan other than let's put all of our guys together. Red recently, The Avengers was a last minute title. It came out on the same day as X-Men number one. Imagine walking to your local comics back in 1963 and getting both of those. There was pressure to put out a group book. Justice League of America had come out a few years prior. Not even cohesive storylines, the biggest concern at that point. What is your favorite version for the Avengers? Aaron, we'll start with you. That's hard. The more modern era feels like the, the culmination of so much. There's all the kernels throughout the decades. That feels like the most realized version of it to me. What was the first Avengers book that you read, Aaron? That late 80s era into the 90s. I still enjoyed it, but it's not the best era. Some books really get dicey at that point. Uh, read the very first Avengers book you picked up. Uh, I've tried to pinpoint it. I definitely remember issue 56, which uh, was the first I'd ever read the origin of Captain America. They retell it in that issue. Then annual number two, the cover is a classic. The old Avengers on one side and the new Avengers on the other facing off. That was where I got hooked. Black Panther had just recently joined and quickly became my favorite character. They were fighting the original Avengers. I got fascinated by the They would change memberships. You never know who's going to be on the team. This wonderful rotating cast of people. When the West Coast Avengers came in, it had a lot of mutations over time. It did get a little out there. The less we talk about the Avengers from 96, the better. We, We could do an entire episode about the crimes Rob Liefeld committed in the 1990s. I don't think I've ever hated anything And I was an angry young man back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) More than the Heroes Reborn storyline. How do you shore that up? Marvel's been too aggressive how they just reset things too often. They saw the writing on the wall. When Heroes Reborn was over, they brought the same creative team back to do Captain America. After Jack Kirby... There's not a whole lot of people that were household names. It wasn't really until the 90s with Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee and these guys. So I, I get the idea that let's outsource it. So it's guaranteed to sell issue. The very first Avengers book I ever bought was issue 232. There was something magical about this guy called Star Fox. Yeah. And a few faces I could, I could recognize. <laughs> felt good to have a reason to pull this out again. Everything in that issue I see now was already laying the groundwork for for Stern and, and Hall to come in and build West Coast Avengers. The way I remember West Coast Avengers starting as a, a Hawkeye miniseries, shortly after they brought Hawkeye back as the leader of the West Coast Avengers. That's where it starts. Who are the original... West Coast Avengers. Tigra, right? Hawkeye. Wonder Man? My Girl Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. And number five. Oh. I'll, I'll give you a who killed Mockingbird? War Machine. Is ne- okay, Nebula. Mm-hmm. Claiming to be Thanos' daughter. This is around the time John Byrne combined 
the two teams to create the Acts of Vengeance storyline. Did you like this? I was a major John Byrne fanboy, so I would eat up everything he did. I think it succeeded in what he was trying to do, which is get people that weren't reading one title to read the other one. It was like you were getting a new issue of The Avengers every couple of weeks. The writers felt, I can't really do any major changes to the status quo of Captain America or Thor. But if I bring in Hawkeye or Black Panther, I can actually affect major change. So I like the the interaction of big name characters and the obscure ones. Ten years ago, they brought back Secret Wars and launched it as part of Free Comic Book Day Volume 5. A fantastic run. Crazy to think that some of my favorite Avengers comics have been in the last 10 years. What is the oldest original copy of the Avengers you own currently? Issue 7 is my oldest one. I got it sometime in the 80s. I was a college student. I didn't have a whole lot of disposable income. In the other room in a box, I should have pulled it out. I anticipated you might ask this question. But, I... <laughs> but you have an Avengers number one? Yeah, I should have brought my Avengers box into this room. I've got volume one complete. Rez, you remember a chain of comic book stores called Lone Star Comics? I'm sure you do, of oh, course. Yeah, of course, yeah. Around, say, 90, 91, I was like 17, 18, and befriended this guy. We were co-workers, but he was 10 years older, and he had an entire run of Fantastic Four. He's like, we need to get you a Silver Age book to, to bristle up this collection. Mm-hmm. Whatever reason, we went to the one by the old Irving Mall. I'm being local here. Sorry, Aaron. And I used to go to that one on my lunch breaks when I had a day job back in the day. They had a copy of Avengers number four, and they wanted $80 for it. Oh. And this was in really good condition. $80. bucks. Mm, $80. That's a lot. Yeah. $80 to my Burger King employee salary (laughs) was, it might as well have been $800. And allow me to put it on fucking layaway layaway Mm. imagine this and all i had to do was give them 10 bucks not even like half like 10 bucks we're putting it away for you and my buddy was like this is your chance dude don't fucking blow it i give him the 10 bucks but 10 bucks I could still get comics for for like a dollar. I think I think they remember the quantum leap from like 75 cents to a dollar and quickly after that it was like a dollar twenty-five. This is around that time. And I was like, God dang, I could have gotten 10 comics my whole you know payload for, for <laughs> you know. And I sucked it up and I gave them the 10 bucks. And I had to keep coming back to give them the money. And if you can guys can believe it, I never went back. No. Oh! <laughs> no. I never <laughs> Not only not only do I not have Avengers number four, I'm out ten bucks and ninety-one dollars. Okay, man. I understand that way of thinking. I really want this book, but it means I can't buy everything that comes along now for several months while I pay it off. Ten bucks gets me ten more books that I can right. go and read. This is just one. I already know what happens in it. Delayed gratification. I just hate. I hate doing that with my escapisms. The original Marvel run of GI Joe. I got number one the day it came out. All the way through. That's a big deal for me. 82 to 95. That's ages 8 to 21 for me. My entire adolescence. And one, we couldn't make it to the comic book store to get issue 24. That would have been around 84. I did not get to until 2004. 
14. How did that feel? Right. They almost asked me to leave. I was like, (laughs) oh, fuck. Like, goddamn. You know, I have that a lot where there were just weird, like, yes, uncertain things. And it was tough. It got weird to be a G.I. Joe collector in the 90s, especially there at the Um, end. Small print runs are to find in shops. We're also going to talk about 1993, because in your professional life with the Toadies, it was the beginning of Sue Shop Rubberneck that turns 30 next year. How insane is that? Crazy. So, Unbelievable. Released in August of 94. You guys went out to California with the producers, Tom Rothrock and Rob Schnaff. We got signed in July of 93. At the end of August, we went out to California. First in L.A., a week of pre-production, Tom and Rob would sit in the rehearsal room with us and we'd play our songs and gave tips or rearrange a little stuff like that. And then we packed everything up and drove however many miles, hours north, Philo's Ranch up in the mountains in the Redwood Forest, close to Mendocino and Fort Bragg, this long ranch-style house with a studio in it. And we stayed in a cabin about a quarter mile up the mountain. We'd have to walk up a trail from the studio up to our cabin every night. September and October of 93, beginning of November, we were back in LA mixing the record in Studio City. Down the hall was Green Day mixing their album, Dookie. (laughs) They would come and hang out in our control room and smoke all our weed. Oh, Green Day for a reason. It wouldn't come out for almost a year, August of 90, about a year after. For whatever reason, MTV started playing Possum Kingdom. We shot, <laughs> shot the video. Redbird down South Dallas. And toward the end of 95, told us it had gone gold, which is half a million copies. And six months after that, it went platinum. And we were on the road the whole time. The crowds were getting bigger and the venues were getting bigger. All these years later, one of the most beloved acts to come out of Texas. There was a soundtrack. It was a Saturday morning comic. You guys did a lot of covers. And now cartoon themes. They approached us and we gave them a couple of theme songs we wanted to do. And they said, oh, somebody's already doing that one. How about Groovy Ghoulies? I was the only one who had a cartoon, let alone the song made our own arrangement and did it. That's a pretty cool album. A a who's who of 90s musical acts at the time. Those two was it. You guys were featured in a few other comics. We were in X-Men 92 six years ago, set in the continuity of the old X-Men cartoons from the 1990s, the concept of that title. That came about taking a tour of Marvel Comics offices in New York. Blake, our tour guide, introduced us to the various editors. Shortly after making X-Men 92, they needed 90s acts to appear. He threw our name out, as well as Flaming Lips, Lila, the rock star, in New Mutants back in the 80s. Got a music festival, and we're one of the bands playing at it. And the X-Men are hired as bodyguards. We're also going to be talking about 1993 for the 30th anniversary because a lot of pivotal things happen just in the world of comics that that the Avengers influence and were also influenced by. Uh, I've got two. One of the great storylines from 93 that uh, was, of course, began the Maximum Carnage 
storyline. A few other things happened in 93. Uh, the death of Mockingbird, Avengers West Coast, issue 100. I guess they felt like they needed to do something big that year for yeah. issue 100, and Mockingbird had to go. What do you remember about that time in comics in general? I mean, death and maiming of superheroes was big in the early 90s. Marvel, at that point, is trying to play catch-up with DC. Superman's dead, you know, like, well, how do do we get the kids to line up around the block? I don't don't know if Killing Mockingbird is is necessarily the uh, (laughs) answer to that, but uh, I, I I bet you that was some of those editorial questions of, like, you have to have these big events. We weren't desensitized to character deaths at that point. How can they make a big event? and not have it be one of their major characters. She was one of the founding members and it was shocking as hell, but it wasn't people lining up outside their comic store, like when the death of Superman happened. Around this same time, G.I. Joe was coming to an end because nobody had ever died in 13 years. Suddenly it was a gimmick where there was a death per issue in fact there's one one issue that goes the death count is up to nine and i'm like i can't (laughs) take it anymore (laughs) and now you the the west coast avengers was getting in on the action and you kill off mockingbird like i was the one guy outside of those arms going you will fucking pay for your trespass The uh, fitting metaphor for kind of the death of comics at the time too, right? The beginning. Abs- of- that was the uh, the appetizer to see how we're going to be able to be able to take it. While you reminisce about your first kiss on a waterbed after a long night at the skating rink, we're going to take a quick break to fix the TV antenna and hear from these great sponsors. There's this really great place called Carpe Diem Comics. It's in McKinney. I'm I'm up here in Frisco. I posted on our Growing Up '80s feed a little mini tour one of the most unique places i've ever been to a guy named shadow <laughs> nice <laughs> gotta love that so i wanted to give them a shout out give them a visit hey folks this is brian o'halloran you might know me from such iconic classic films as clerks mall rats chasing amy vulgar anyway you're listening to tricky kid radio hi this is marilyn gigliotti most people know me as veronica from clerks it ain't 37 Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Hey everybody, this is actor-musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. One of the things in 93, the launch of Maximum Carnage, Web of Spider-Man and Spectacular Spider-Man both had milestone issues with issues 200 and 100. They did not see fit to kill off any key character but they, they did, but they did put foil on the cover. Yeah, they, right. <laughs> Those are your choices in the nineties: yeah. foil or kill someone. Yeah. I was a sucker for anything with the holograms or the foils. I mean, I'm oh. still a, I'm still a sucker yeah. for them. I still buy them. One thing I truly miss this era of comics. Remember the annuals from this time? I I, I do a show that's only about prints, and uh, there was a bunch of prints authorities together. Me being the total nerd I am, I was like, she's putting purple Avengers together. <laughs> and they went on to have posters and t-shirts <laughs> all said the purple Avengers when they introduced the new team during this rough season. <laughs> this. 
all well, it's, a, it's, it's such an odd mix of characters too right that team versus where you started how, how do you get here it's weird half of the fantastic four are in that the thing joins for a while trying to get rid of the fantastic four even way back then uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't it so weird that the, that the Captain America black thing was cool, kind of like, like what they did with Spidey? Thor's hanging in there. Not only do I not remember producing Gil, I don't know who he is now. <laughs> he's, he's dying for a reboot. Where's our Gilgamesh solo series? Right. <laughs> West Coast Adventures, four-issue limited series. Stern and Hall, I feel, is what... Because you, you can see... Iron Man, Hawkeye, you've got the cat, all, Wonder Man. I can't believe they haven't made a franchise or a movie around him. It's perfect for a TV series. I, I'm remiss, really enjoyed She-Hulk Attorney at Law. I'm so bummed. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing here. Remember those incredibly shitty attempts at Marvel Cinema in the sure. late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, I've seen them later. They rerun those things, too. Yeah, When I... Saul, my beloved team, was finally going to be on the big screen. I was there on opening night. I thought this was the greatest thing ever. I was so happy. What are y'all's thoughts on the films? It was as exciting as anything in modern time. Even more exciting, they were coming out with new Star Wars movie. They'd been leading up to it since the first Iron Man, the post credit scene with Nick yeah. Fury. They fed you little crumbs over several years, and then knowing this movie was actually going to happen, I sat in the theater with a shitty grin the, the whole <laughs> way through. So damn entertaining and fun and cool to see them all up on screen. I love them to death. For, mm-hmm. for two and a half hours, euphorically smiling that my team, my heroes, delivered majestically. I would say it's different for, for me than, like, say, Star Wars. Star Wars was new, right? Like, we didn't, we sure. hadn't seen it before. This was a realization of all the stuff we'd been reading for, for decades. A tall order to, to reach. Early attempts that were low budget, and we clung to whatever we could get. But they, those sucked. Those weren't good. This right. was actually seeing these characters as close version of what I would see in my head as you're reading the comics actually on the screen. That's different than a new experience, a manifestation of your imaginations. We live in a time that that actually was possible. Right. right, (laughs) It's pretty amazing. I think you articulate that well. When the Russos took over with the Infinity War, uh, a little different. The only criticism I have, those movies are about three years apart. In game it came out the next year. They did all the filming at once, and then they I just did special effects the... post production afterwards. Yeah. Okay, like how when they did Back to the Future two and three at the same time, yeah. and they just kind of cut it. Hmm. The other day, In Game came on, and I couldn't get over what a bummer it is. Infinity War is, but it's so satisfying at the end. In Game is a funeral. I was like, I need someone to come and kick some ass. There is that moment of redemption. Men's run of Avengers and culmination with Secret Wars is that it's so big and emotional. It's hard then to move past. But the whole universe had to be like recreated. How do I care about this street level thing now? It takes a little while to recover from that. A few things I wanted to briefly cover uh, in 93, the summer offensive with 2000 AD and Ghost World begins 
Deadpool begins and the Nam that I was a big fan of was canceled. We mentioned the films, the cartoons. There was the Avengers United They Stand. It was kind of cool. And the Avengers Assembled that ran for years that I loved. You probably haven't You've ever seen Spidey and his amazing friends. The current. The current. Yeah. I say this, we talked about, about the future and being in good hands is my children are five and three. Earlier this year, I tried to turn them on to this. Miles, my little boy, started wanting to get Batman shit. And that's cool. But I needed to remind him, we are a Marvel house. He could care less about it. And then I tried again a month ago, and now they're all in. Hmm. I mentioned it was because the show could very well be called The Avengers. Spidey's amazing friends are The Avengers. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Right, cool. Having my children running around going, oh no, it's the Green Goblin. So the future is in good hands. If you guys have not picked this up yet, I, I recommend it highly. Every generation has their own Avengers. Some grew up with Cap's kooky quartet. Some <laughs> the era where they're all wearing leather jackets. It's still the Avengers, the glue of the Marvel Universe. I'm glad we found a way and for reason. Every November into to coming together. Gentlemen, I can't thank you guys enough. For Aaron Myers, Mark Resnick, I'm your host as always, Roy Turner. Thank you for joining us for the 60th anniversary, <laughs> the greatest team ever assembled. Growing up 80s and groomed in the 90s isn't just the name of this podcast. It's also the title of a forthcoming docuseries currently in production, directed by our host, Roy Turner, chronicling real events in his personal life of growing up 80s in a small town in Arkansas. Stay tuned for release dates and premier party information. Inquire within about investment opportunities on our website at tricky-kid.com. Growing Up 80s and Groomed in the 90s is produced by Tricky Kid Media and distributed by iHeartRadio. Make sure to download the iHeartRadio app so you can feel like a member of the Jetsons and be part of the future as well as the past. To follow along on Twitter at growing underscore up 80s for the latest in all of our 80s and 90s themed events and special guests.